Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. A few years ago, uh, my kids really got into 80s music. Um, they, I, don't, I don't know if they thought about it as 80s music, but... Um, but the song, all the songs that they played over and over again were from the 80s. And, um, and I, I think it started with like movie theme songs, you know, like, uh, like The Glory of Love from Karate Kid Part 2 and Eye of the Tiger from Rocky 3. Because um, those are like super anthemic, anthemic, you know, like, and designed to kind of pump you up. And so they were, were really into those songs. So I, uh, I, I made an 80s playlist for them. Uh, songs that I liked that seemed to fit in their parameters, and I kept it pretty accessible, you know, Aha, Huey Lewis, Bon Jovi, Billy Idol. Um, but then I'd slip in some more edgy stuff in there, like Pixies and Jesus and Mary Chain, and New Order, Dead Milkman, you know, and uh, for the most part, they liked it. Um, but there's this one song that I put in there because um, it's not just a great song, um, but... Well, it's just so good. I just could not put it in there. Um, and it, it wasn't like the other songs. You know, it was acoustic. It was mellow. It was sad. Um, but it was a, a Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. I stuck it in there. Came out in 1988. Um, and actually, I heard, heard it was recently number one on charts again because some country singer did a cover of it. Um, so if you haven't heard the song, I highly recommend it. It's a very, very good song. Um, so you can listen to it after church. So now my kids were not initially into this song. <laughs> It'd come on and they'd be like, it totally changed the vibe. But, um, after cycling through the playlist a few times, the kids started to like it so much that when it started to play, they'd stop talking. And then every once in a while, you could kind of hear them singing along with it. You know, not really loud, but they'd sing along with it. Now, who would have thought that this acoustic folk song from a young black lesbian recorded in 1988 uh, would strike a chord with um, elementary and middle school boys? <laughs> but it did. And um, if you don't know the song, um, it's a story. It's a, it's a story song. And the narrator um, is a young girl, a high school dropout, who happened to be trapped in a going nowhere life. And her mother left the family and she stuck taking care of her alcoholic father. And she dreams of, of a boyfriend with a fast car that'll come and take her away from this life. And she, so she can try to build a new life. But then cynicism comes, even in her dreams, and her fictional life starts to look a lot like the real life that she wants to escape. And she ends up telling her dream boyfriend to go on and um, resumes her life of struggle. It's a sad song. Um, but, but, you know, there, there, there's this chorus that just captures all the hope and the longing for something better. You know, it's like, you know, it has lyrics like, you know, I had the feeling like I belonged. I had the feeling I could be someone, be someone, be someone. Uh, it's great. It's a powerful song. And that song is popular with so many different types of people. It's crazy. Um, my father, uh, who many of you know, the come here before, I have a complicated relationship with him. And... Um, not in the least because he's a very racist person, you know? He's a proud son of the Confederacy with all of that, what that means. But he loves that song. And uh, every time, when I was a kid, because it came out when I was in eighth grade, seventh grade or eighth grade, but um, every time that song would like flip through, we'd come on and he's flipping through the channels, um, 
Do we just stop and listen to it? Because it just captures something so well, and even he could not deny the truth of it, right? Because it, it captures human hope and desperation and longing, a deep desperation, a universal longing for someone, anyone to rescue them from the drudgery of their life. Now, that's a little bit of a long introduction for the lesson today. But we're in the third sermon in a series on prayer called Deeply Rooted. Prayer deeply roots our faith, anchoring it to withstand whatever storms the world may throw at it. And the first sermon, uh, I introduced prayer and I spoke about how to pray more effectively. And last week, Pastor Christie talked about praying for our needs. And this week, we have a different aspect. And it's praying for deliverance. Praying for deliverance. And of course, that's why I started talking about that song, Fast Car. Um, but really, I could have chosen any number of songs, or movies for that matter. Uh, one of my favorite movies, which I'll, I won't name because it's not really appropriate for church, but it has like this weird, wonderful moment where it cuts between shots of most of the characters sitting alone in tears um, and singing along with the song and their desperation and their hopelessness. Um, a lot of art is about people craving deliverance, craving for help, hungering for something more, something deeper and more real and more true and more good and more beautiful than the world that they experience today. And we can pray. We can pray for that hunger to be met. Right? Because deliverance means rescue. And there's a God. There's a God who saves. Psalm 68, verses 19 through 20 read, Praise be to the Lord, to the God our Savior, who bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Jesus Christ, Son of God, is our deliverance. And through him, we can approach God the Father to ask him for deliverance, for redemption. Um, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, was written to remind us that Jesus died to make a way for us to have access to God's grace and goodness. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we did not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The high priest, the high priest was acted, acted to present people before God, right? So that God could hear and be in relationship with his, pre with his people. And, and the role of the high priest in Israel was to approach the altar of God in the Holy of Holies, right? A special place that only the high priest was able to enter. And then once a year, he would enter into there just once to make offerings to God's behalf, to God on behalf of his people's sins for the year. And the offerings are meant to offer reconciliation between the people and God, the sign of their repentance and desire to be in a right relationship. And it was kind of a cyclical relationship. It always came back around, right? People would sin, ask for forgiveness, and once a year the high priest goes before God and the Holy um, and the Holies of Holies was kind of considered God's home on earth to make sure that everyone everything's good. Let's double check. Anything we might have forgotten, let's make sure everything's good. And Jesus, Jesus embodies that same relationship. But instead of sacrificing goats and bulls, Jesus offers himself. He takes the sacrificial, sacrificial system further than it had ever been taken before with his own body. And he asks for people for forgiveness 
at all times. And so the special curtain in the temple that separated the holies of holies from the rest of the world is torn in Jesus' death to show that God's not just making his home in a special place in this temple, to show that his home is now the whole world, right? God's spirit's not cooped up. It is available for all who desire to be in relationship with. His forgiveness is for everyone. His salvation is for everyone. He can deliver everyone, anyone. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. And therefore, any person from any tribe or nation, ethnicity or culture or gender may come before God to receive mercy, to receive grace, to receive entrance into that deeper, realer, truer, more beautiful, good world that we long for. And unlike the Tracy Chapman song, there is a deliverance and there is a deliverer. He is for you. And what do we need deliverance from? Well, so many things. Right? We need deliverance from so many things. Right? Just starting with the Tracy Chapman song. She's trapped, the narrator in that song, she's trapped in cycles of poverty and neglect, and she needs to be saved from the broken world and the broken systems. Right? And we can pray to Jesus for that deliverance. Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loved. Christ can save us from this world because the world is fallen and is broken and things are not as they should be. But Christ has come to set us free, right? The world groans under the weight of sin. There is evil and hardship and brokenness on every level. There is systematic evil and injustice. A sin isn't just personal. It affects every aspect of reality. And we all suffer under the weight of it. But when God created the world, it was for people to rule and protect and to steward under God's authority. But we sinned and neglected our calling. And instead of ruling over creation, we were subject to it. But Christ reorders creation. He resurrects it to its right state. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so we can cry out to God for deliverance from this world, from its economic systems, from its hatred, from its prejudice, from its injustice. And the Lord hears our prayers. He is at work. The power of sin is broken. And yes, there's still vestiges around. But you can be delivered and empowered and equipped to work for the better world that God has called. Um, actually, tomorrow is a day um, that our country has recently made to a holiday, right? A day that celebrates deliverance from unjust systems of the world. Uh, tomorrow is Juneteenth, a holiday that's been celebrated since uh, 1866 um, in certain communities. And it commemorates the deliverance of African-Americans from the bondages of slavery. A slavery that had been legal and endorsed with laws that claimed that blacks were less than whole persons. And black people have been praying and working to end that injustice, praying that God would deliver them from broken systems in this broken world. And then even when the Emancipation Proclamation was declared, um, you know, that the slaves be set free, only the slaves in the slave-holding states that were in rebellion against the United States, it still took two years before the last group of slaves in Galveston, Texas, found out that they were free, um, which is why Juneteenth is celebrated on June 19th. Um, it commemorates the day that they found out about their freedom. And, uh, but there, that was the fruit of their prayers, right? The prayers of a people, hey, set us free. Set us free. That's not the way that this world should be. 
Um, and there's a whole other sermon there about how people have been set free but do not know it yet because the folks in Galveston were free for two years, um, but they just didn't know it yet. But that's, that's another sermon. I'll save that one for next year. <laughs> um, we can pray from deliverance for the world. We can pray that the world be made right. We can pray for justice and for goodness. And we can pray for an end to cycles of violence and pains that our families may have been trapped in for generations. Right? God breaks the fallen powers of this world in the name of Jesus, and he deliberates. We can pray for deliverance because we are not alone. God is with us. And that brings us to another thing that we can pray for. We can pray for deliverance from the evil one, from Satan, the great liar, whose very name means accusation. Right? You can pray to be delivered from his power. You can pray to be delivered from every power and authority and unclean spirit because Jesus has broken their power and has the authority to set us free from our spiritual bondage. We're engaged in a spiritual battle, and we shouldn't forget that. There's evil that wants to destroy us, that wants us to lose sight of God, that wants us to forget who we are and to what we've been called. Ephesians 6.12 reads, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the real fight. And we don't have the power to stand fast against evil on our own. We cannot withstand it on our own. We have to call out to someone who's more powerful than evil and the works of evil. And we can pray for deliverance, for his salvation, because his name is above every name. right? And he will answer your plea because he desires us to know him to know his power, to know his might, to know his glory, to know his love. In Christ's name, evil is banished because sin cannot stand the presence of God. Sin flees from the presence of his holiness. And sometimes you get that mixed up. Um, we say things like, a holy God cannot stand sin. That's a little bit backwards. Sin cannot withstand the presence of a holy God. It's sin that flees. Sin seeks to flee. It seeks to hide from God's presence. We see that way back in Genesis 3, when sin's introduced into creation, sin leads people to hide from God. God doesn't turn his back on humanity. It has always been sinfulness that tries to hide us from God. But as we sang earlier, the light is stronger. God can shine in the darkness. Light chases away the dark. It's not the other way around. John 1, 5, he shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God's light is powerful. And it's real, and it's true. And the last point I want to share on this topic is that we can pray for deliverance from ourselves, from our own sinful nature and brokenness. We can come out, Lord, save me from myself. I'm an unclean man or woman with unclean lips. Only you can save me. Romans 6, 17 through 18. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Okay, which way are you pointing? What are you bound to? Are you bound to sin, which is destruction? Or are you bound to righteousness, to holiness? Sin snares us, it traps us, 
when we get trapped up in our own sinfulness, the ways that we're wounded and hurt and broken, right? And we're not fully the people that we're meant to be, that we were created to be. In my sin, I am not the man I was called to be, that I was created to be. And in sin, you are not the person you were created to be. Sin makes us less than ourselves. It reduces the highest image of ourselves to, at best, some sort of compromise. And we cannot love as fully as we are meant to love. We cannot be loved as fully as we were meant to be loved. We need to be saved. Um, Paul, um, kind of like, Paul, I love when Paul quotes the Old Testament because he, like, he breaks all sorts of rules. But he crams all these verses together in um, this section in Romans 10 um, through 18, 3, 10 through 18. Um, and so it's just a list of scripture from the Old Testament about how God saves us, how we're lost in sin, and how we need God. Uh, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become worth. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves and their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We are lesser because of sin. We are lesser. Uh, Martin Luther uh, said that sin turns us in, inward. Right? It turns us inward. Right? making us smaller and less than what we're supposed to be, right? Sin focuses us on ourselves until we curl up, right? Focused on who we are. But through Christ, there's forgiveness of sin. There's redemption and deliverance. So we can pray to receive that deliverance. And through the cross of Christ and his redemptive sacrifice, we can approach the throne of grace and ask for mercy. And grace, grace is so good, right? Because if sin makes us smaller and turn us in, Right? God's grace opens us up and fills us up bigger, right? It enlarges us, make us more fully who we're called to be, right? Sin always makes us lesser, always turns us into ourselves. God's love should be opening us up to be more fully the person that we've been called to be. John, 1 John 1, 8 through 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Right? We can pray to be delivered from the tyranny of self. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I need deliverance, right? Because uh, I know that I live in a fallen world where anything can happen, uh, where there's injustice and inequity, um, where there's prejudice and there's hatred. And how do I know it's out there? Because I realize it's in here. I know it's out there because it's so much in here, right? In my deepest self. And I pray to be delivered from the evil, from the evil outside and the evil inside. I pray for protection from the accuser and from every principality and power that tries to intimidate and dominate me. And I pray to be delivered from my sins, right? Sins that I know I commit and sins that I commit through thoughtlessness and carelessness. And church, listen, through Christ, our great high priest, we have someone who can understand, 
We have a God who put on human flesh and experienced the world as fully human. And we have a high priest that offered himself as the fullness of the sacrifice so that sin, evilness, broken no longer has a hold on us. It no longer is the last word that defines us. Yes, the battle's still going on, but the war has been won. Christ has defeated every enemy and assumed every sin. He has broken every chain and torn down every stronghold, anything that keeps us away from God, right? That war has been won. And despite the spiritual struggles around us, we've won because nothing, nothing from the highest high or the lowest lows can separate us from God's love. We are saying that today. And that love offers us deliverance, rescuing us from the fallenness of the world into a deeper, richer, fuller, more beautiful life, right? A good life in a good world. And it almost gives us like double vision, right? Like where we can see the fallenness and brokenness. Yeah, we can see that part of the world, but we can see that that's the lie. That's the corruption. We also have eyes to see that underneath that, there's a deeper reality. A true reality where heaven and earth are united and the kingdom of God exists in its fullness. And, and, and we can see and know that that is the true world. That's the true world that God's made. The deeper world, the more real world. And with a glimpse of this truer, deeper world, we can live into our true and deeper selves. God's goodness is good. And it's for us. And he invites us to live into that deeper, more beautiful world that, he's, that is here and not here, right? Double vision. And so that is why we can pray for deliverance. That is why we pray for deliverance. Because there's so much we need to be delivered from. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you for freeing us from the bonds of sin. Lord, thank you for freeing us from cycles of pain and the patterns of this world. Teach us to live in obedience to you, to live into this newer, truer world, Lord. Lord, continue to rescue us because it's so easy to, to turn back to ourselves. But we know that that's not who we were called to be. Help us to live into the deeper truths that you offer, that we are loved, that we are cherished, that we were made to be more, that this world was made to be better. Teach us to live into that reality and to work towards that, Lord. Give us strength to live into your truth. In Christ's name, amen.